You're listening to the Conversations in Speech Pathology podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Steppen, and this is episode 25. everyone welcome back to another edition of the csp podcast so glad to have you here today this is a unique episode as i'm sitting here and recording this post thanksgiving uh this is the first episode since number one where i will not be having a guest it's just me today um and the purpose of today's episode if you've looked at the title of this thing is uh for those of you who are interested in creating your own app i've had a couple of people over the course of this podcast, I've had a number of different suggestions in terms of topics. And one of the things that's come up at least once, I think twice, someone asked, at least a couple of you have asked about how to create your own app. So today's show is about app developments and specifically about my own journey as an app developer, as a wannabe in this game of app creation. So that's what today's episode is going to be about. I'm going to be talking to you about what my app is, the services and the people that I use to make the app happen, to make to get this thing done, uh, the timeline of app creation for me, the course, the challenges and the lessons learned in creating my own app. Uh, I want you all to remember before I start this story that what I did and the way that I did this was only one of the was one of many ways that you can make your own app. So. so don't think this is the only way. There's lots of ways to, uh, lots of paths towards making your own app. And this is just my story. So uh, as always, if you have any questions about this episode or any other, of course, you can always feel free to email me with your specific questions at jeff at conversationsandspeech.com. I'll do my best to help you out there. Uh, Listen towards the end of this episode. I'm going to be talking about a little giveaway as well because I have created an app and I'd love to give away some copies to anyone who can meaningfully use it with their own clients. So listen for that at the end of this episode. Um, and before I jump in, let me talk to you about real quick about why I made an app. And I, it's real simple, actually. I did it because I love technology. I've loved the iPad, especially since that came out in 2010. And for the longest time, I just really wanted to make my own app. That'd be challenging, but uh, fun to give it a go. And so that's the short story. Um, So let's kick off this conversation by talking a little bit about what my app is. All righty. So my app that just came out about three weeks ago as I record this, is called the Social Bunch Perspectives. It's the Social Bunch colon Perspectives. And it is, and I'm going to use this term very loosely, a social skills app. This is, I call this a theory of mind app, really. And what it is, is there's five characters, younger, elementary, aged, aged, uh, there are they're set against five different backgrounds, such as a park, a playground, cafeteria, bus stop, beach, um, and the idea is that there are five different backgrounds. There's not always five of them in each scene. There are different scenes. There's twelve scenes per background with uh, almost 180 questions. So 
Let me sort of paint a picture for you. In a typical scene, let's say in a bus stop, there are typically three characters in most of the scenes, sometimes four, and occasionally even five. And the idea is that the user, the child, will hear a question such as, who is thinking they're being too silly? Or they might even hear, who is thinking? I love looking at these pictures. Yes, and I used my voice for the uh, recording, sort of the voiceover work here. Um, and so, again, the idea is that based on looking at these scenes, that the user, the students, will be able to pick out the character who is most likely either saying or thinking a particular thought. Now, this is no easy task. This is not something that I would recommend using with a student who is just beginning down this path of learning uh, social cognition. Uh, so for kids who don't yet have joint attention, uh, really can't respond to WH questions, don't still are not in touch with emotions and reading facial cues, uh, reading body language. This is not the app for them, at least not at this moment in time. This is a kind of putting a, putting a lot of information together. There's the processing of language, and of course, there's the body language and all those subtle cues that uh, we read in social situations that you that we read rather fluidly. So this is not a beginning app. Uh, this is an app that you can use later on in, in development with uh, your social skills groups or one-on-one uh, -on -one with students. Okay, so that being said, um, in each one of these scenes, when you answer these questions, the cool thing about this app is that there are questions based on all the characters in each scene. So if you have three characters at the bus stop and they're each doing something different, then sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, uh, you might get three questions within the same session. Not always, it's all randomized. But you might get three different questions all asking about perspectives of the different kids in the same scene. That makes sense. So there are... 12 scenes per background, okay, if we do the math there, and uh, so five backgrounds, so 60 total scenes, but actually almost 180 questions because remember, there's an average of three kids per uh, scene. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, check out, by the way, I'm going to say this, I'll say this now, I'll say it again. If you go to the socialbunch.co or you check out the app on the App Store, there should be, uh, well, in the App Store, or in the App Store, there's a quick uh, video teaser, but if you go on my website, you'll see a longer video explanation of all the, the app's features and the way I recommend using it. Um, so yeah, so that's all on the, on the website. But the, the app is pretty straightforward, and there's not that much in the way of settings or added features. I didn't put data collection in, and I'm not going to get into that here, but uh, it's a pretty straightforward app, little fanfare. It was really about putting uh, stimulus pictures on an iPad, having some interactivity and making it uh, something that was fun for the kids to, uh, to engage in. And so far, I can tell you that I've used it with some of my own kids, and uh, they have found it pretty engaging. They, they, really, they really look forward to uh, using it. And I'm not going to say too much more about it right now, except for that it is $8.99. That is the price point. Um, and that there's no ads. There's 
never extra modules to purchase or there's no data mining. It's a fairly straightforward app, as I said. All right. So with all that, now that you understand what my app is, let me tell you about the process of creating this thing. Okay, so in order to get the most out of this next section and, and the rest of this uh, episode, it would be helpful. I, I know most of you, I shouldn't say most of you, I'm going to guess a good number of you are listening to this maybe while working out or on the go doing something. So when you get a chance, do go ahead and check out my app. I'm not trying to give you the hard sell, but it'll give you some context to how it was that I created my own app. Uh, if you've never seen my any pictures or any screenshots of my app, it'll be hard for you to visualize truly what happened here. But okay, let me get into the two main uh, providers I used. Uh, so if you want to make an app, there are two major components of an app that you need to think about. One is design and one is the coding. So you need someone to draw pictures for you, put it plain and simple, uh, to render those pictures for everything from the characters, the backgrounds, the scenes, or uh, stimulus pictures, if it's an articulation app, you need artistry for that. You need to then, on the other side, you need someone to code it. You need someone to tell the computer, the application, what to do, that when you touch one thing, something else happens. Now, before you do anything, I suggest doing something called wireframing. And this is a, a term that they use in the app development to simply talking about, it's basically making out a blueprint of your app that you have figured out every single screen of your app, that all the navigation, the flow chart from one screen to the next, it's all in there so that you know, and the coder knows, and the designer knows, everyone needs to be on the page, same page. Get this done before you do anything else. Don't start your app project without wireframing this. And this is gonna come later, but um, uh, in my regrets, or my sort of mistake uh, section of the podcast, I thought I did a good job of wireframing. There's a better chance than not that you are going to forget something. So look it over once, look it over twice, put it down, come back to it a week, and make sure that every piece of navigation, every function, every detail is in there. You have to try and visualize to the best of your ability what this app is going to do, and don't leave any dead links, as it, as it were. Okay, so... Once you have everything wireframed, and just go ahead and Google wireframing if you ever have any questions about that. And there are some interesting tricks and tools to make the wireframing process easier. Uh, again, for anyone who's interested, you can go ahead and email me. I've got some uh, interesting ideas as to how you might wireframe. I actually used an app for wireframing. I think it's called Pop. Um, I'll go ahead and link to it if I can find that after recording this. Okay, so once you have all this in place, you're ready now to start your app. So let me tell you a little bit about the design aspect of this project. And in order to do that, let me tell you a little bit about 99designs. 99designs is a place you can go. It's a freelance marketplace for designers, a lot of graphic designers. And I used 99designs in two parts. The first part was a contest. And the contest was to draw five characters of younger elementary age with very expressive eyes. That was the gist of the description I gave. And what happens is you set a price point, you basically put a prize out there, and my prize was somewhere around uh, the $800 US mark. 
And in a matter of three weeks, what happens is people send you their drawings and you constantly give them feedback and you're whittling down week by week. It's like a beauty pageant. Uh, who your, your, your top five, four, three, whatever, until you finally crown a winner. And that winner then gets your money via an escrow. So you deposit money, you give your money, hand it over to 99designs, and they hold on to it. They then take a small percentage, that's their fee, and the rest of it, of course, goes to the, to the designer, and then they send you the uh, files. Uh, so once that contest was completed, I then, because I liked the designer so much, I used her for the rest of the project. She was the one who drew all of the backgrounds, the scenery, the navigation, anything from a design standpoint you see on my app was all completed by my designer. And she is from Romania, by the way. So this is, this is what's so cool about living in the internet age is that you can be hooked up with people all around the world. And her work was just top-notch. I can't uh, rave about her enough. If you want her name, I'm happy to pass, a, pass it along, by the way. So just let me know if you need a designer. Um, and that was it. And so once, we, once I hired her after the creation of the characters, we simply we went back and forth. It was all email communication throughout. I don't think I've ever spoken to her via Skype. I don't even know what she sounds like. So, But um, she just did excellent work. Her English skills were great. Um, never had an issue with, uh, with payments or disputes. Uh, there were sometimes, I could say there were a couple of instances where there were some issues that were lost in translation, some ideas. And it just took a little bit of uh, back and forth and, and working those uh, issues out. But uh, I think the end product speaks for itself, and I'm very happy with what happened. Um, so let's talk about Elance, elance.com. So I used Elance for the actual coding. So I found my coder through Elance. He's the guy that told the app what it was it should do so that when you touch a certain area in the screen, uh, X will happen. Um, and Elance is, a, is similar to 99designs. Uh, you, once you find someone, you have a contract. There are benchmarks that are set, agreed to by you and the freelancer. Um, and of course, Elance.com gets a percentage of all, of all the uh, fees. A uh, couple of things with uh, Elance. So you post its brief description of the project. You set a... You put out a budget, and people from all over the world are going to solicit you for your business. Now, here is a couple of things, a couple of tips that I'm going to give you for for Elance. At least this helped me. Uh, first, as you can tell, is that I'm an English speaking individual. Uh, my knowledge of other languages is uh, minimal. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but nothing, nowhere near enough to call me bilingual. Um, so here's the deal with uh, Elon. So uh, you get a lot of people from around the world, many people who speak uh, good English and many people speak very broken or poor English. So I kind of had my filters and my first filter was anyone who didn't speak very good English automatically uh, X'd out. So they were taken off the list. Um, the second criteria I had was anyone who emailed me with a proposal who said I'm going to do it for this amount of money and came up with an exact figure that smacked of unprofessionalism. I saw that as a ploy to sort of hook me into talking to them and uh, they just didn't give me a good, a good safe feeling. So they were automatically uh, 
nixed as well. And the people left. So the people left, what you do is you can look at two factors on Elance. And by the way, Elance is now going to be known as Upwork, I believe, is the new company name. But uh, there's another couple of markers on Elance you can look for. One is their experience level within the Elance community. The longer they've been working within Elance, the higher uh, experience level they get. And there's also, of course, a five-star rating system that clients uh, give these freelancers after the completion of a job. So look for those two. And of course, the higher those figures are, the more money that the developers can charge. So it's, uh, it's going to be a bit of a challenge staying within a good budget, but also finding good talent. There's always a give and pull uh, at that juncture. So uh, I eventually whittled down and found my developer who happens to live in Pakistan. Uh, he came up with a very creative way to get my business. He said, look, send me over what you have, your, your scene descriptions, and get me uh, the first number of scenes. I'm going to build you a mock-up. We're not going to sign any papers here. So you're not hiring me. I'm going to make you a mock-up of an app. And if you like the work, we'll sign the papers and you can officially hire me. If not, you can choose someone else. And I thought this was absolute genius. You know, I have nothing to lose. He has everything to gain. And it turned out he did a great job. And so I worked with him. I hired him. His English skills via Skype were, well, his English skills, written communication for via email were excellent. Um, well, I should say very good to excellent. There were a couple of times where, again, we had to work around some misunderstandings. His English skills, he had a very strong dialect, which was very difficult for me to get understand uh, via Skype. But most of our communication was uh, via email, so it was never really that much of an issue. Um, so that's that's those are the providers that I used for this app. Um, I had a very uh, easy time with it. I don't regret using either of my providers. I think that um, Elance and 99designs offer a wonderful uh, business model. And the really nice thing about it is that they don't want to see you left in the dust. And if there's any, any other, if there's ever a disagreement between you and the freelancer, they're there to step in and help out in any way they can because they want you to use them again. They want you to recommend them to other people. So uh, I feel... I felt and I still feel very uh, safe uh, using uh, both of these services because they provide its great value for for what it is. And as long as you're judicious in how you hire people, uh, it can really work towards your to your advantage. So that is how I got my uh, design team and uh, coding team in place. So I'm now going to talk to you about my timeline for creating my own app. Okay, this thing was really, uh, this was just a beast to get out. And I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If I didn't have a full-time job in the schools, if I didn't have a part-time private practice, if I didn't have a family and all the other little things that come up in day-to-day life, I, I could have knocked this thing out within three months easy. Easy. <laughs> but because I have all these other responsibilities, this is not an easy thing to get out. Okay, so it took me about 10 months. You know, it's really hard to say timeline because I, I think I started this around December 
of last year, December of 2014. And really, I think it began over last year's, my last year winter break. So I had, you know, two weeks off, I work in a school. And I think it took me that long to get the basic framework for the app. Um, When I came back to school, sometimes I'd wake up early in the morning, I couldn't work on it every day. It was a very sporadic project. And it's going to have to be sporadic unless you can really truly burn the candle at both ends and wreck your sleep. Uh, I chose not to do that. I chose to work on it when I could. And it wasn't until I think it was the end of February and early March that I actually felt ready to approach both uh, 99designs and Elance and start soliciting uh, the work for the actual project. It took me that long to wireframe and to truly detail every single scene that I wanted in this app. Um, so yeah, so in, and so by the time I got to hiring the freelancers, that was another month-long process between the contest at 99designs and trying to find a coder. Because it's hard to find time to uh, talk via Skype or email, and I had to vet references, and it all takes time. So what I my advice to any of you... Who, anyone out there who thinks that they don't have the time to do this, you do have the time to do it. It just might take you longer. And instead of three months, it might take you a year. And if it takes you a year, it takes you a year. <laughs> so, but don't let that, don't let that put you, uh, put you off. Uh, time should not be, it should not be a deal breaker for you. Now I do have an advantage in that I work in the school system and I do have summers off and I chose not to work summer school this past summer I do work in a private practice. I have my own part-time private practice, so I did have that, but that didn't that I was lucky in that I wasn't working crazy hours a week and I did have at least 2 days a week to devote towards the app in the summer. So, I do have that I do have that advantage and I don't want to I don't want to sugarcoat this uh too much. So, speaking of summer, I was originally set to release this no later than August of 2015. It didn't happen that way, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into the complete reason why. Suffice it to say that as the app project uh, progressed, I had some concerns that I might have been stepping on some toes in the intellectual property uh, area, and I took a bold move by contacting another party uh, whose work I was potentially stepping on. And after contacting that party, it turned out that that other party was concerned um, about what I was doing. And as a result, I felt it best to change the focus of the app from its original purpose. And so this didn't start off exactly as a theory of mind kind of app. It was actually something a little more basic, but because of some concerns, and again, I'm not going to get into this to protect myself and the other party, I had to do a 180 on this thing uh, come August. Um, For a period of about a week, I was going through a major panic about this because I had sunk all this time, effort, and of course, money, and I wasn't sure that... I had anything to show for it at this point. But after thinking it through a few days, I felt that uh, the best way out of this was to change the focus a bit and 
to be quite honest, I'm glad. I think it's a better app for it in the end. And uh, I have to say that for the most part, I'm happy with the way things turned out. So here I am recording this at the end of November, and I'm sure the question most of you might be having is, whoa, how are sales so far, Jeff? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about a little experiment that I've done. And the experiment was, what if I released an app in the iTunes store and I did nothing, little to nothing, to advertise it? Would people find it organically? Do I have to do anything at all? I was naive to think that, not that it was going to take off by any means, but that there would be enough just natural searches that I would have maybe a few downloads a day, a handful, right? Well, it didn't really turn out that way. (laughs) So let me give you, I'm going to get to this later about the lessons learned about the importance of having a marketing plan. Um, So after about four days, I realized I wasn't getting much of anything beyond my own downloading and purchase of the app to make sure that it was working, that the purchase transaction was working. And my mother-in-law, who wasn't kind enough to purchase a copy, even though I don't know anyone (laughs) she could use it with. But um, I don't want to totally short sell the organic traffic thing because there have been some spontaneous downloads. And uh, what tends to, what's tended to happen so far is one day there'll be one to two downloads, the next day it'll be nothing. So far over the three-week period, I've had maybe 13 to 15 uh, just natural downloads. Hey, it could do worse, right? Um, A little aside here, I'm going to talk to you about price for a second. Now, I'm not going to divulge what my eventual cost was of the app, just to to say that my costs went up 40%. Yes, 4-0, 40% over budget. A lot of that cost, I would say 20 to th- no, 30% of that cost uh, easily came because I had to change uh, the focus of this app. Not completely. The design was all there. Uh, I, because the programming had to change, it was as a result of my fear <laughs> of intellectual property uh, issues coming up in August. So because I had to do that, the project was delayed and I had to go over budget. So that caused me um, a, lot of, a lot of stress. The other reason, so why else did I go over budget? Went over budget because iOS 9 came out and my developer was originally optimizing it for what was then the, the current version of iOS. He said if, I, if he wanted me to, op, if I wanted to optimize to the newest version, it would cost an extra, I can't remember what it was, maybe $600. So that added to the cost. And I'm going to tell you something else. This is, goes back to the importance of wireframing. Uh, this is going to be the lesson learned. I'm going to jump in and say this now, so hopefully I won't repeat myself later. But because there was some miscommunication between myself and the developer, we had a little issue, and let me explain what that issue was. So if the question was, who is thinking, i really like to eat this apple? And there's a picture of Charlie, and he's holding an apple. And someone were in the original, in one of the uh, old builds of this app, if someone pressed on the apple, it would be counted as correct. And the reason it was counted as correct is because the character was holding it. Okay, so the way my developer, the coder, was explaining it to me, because the apple was part of the body, rendered the rendered image, uh, it was harder to separate. And so what he needed to do, it cost me extra money to do this, for him to go back, because because my wireframing was not 100% clear, 
And I felt this was implied in my app outline. I thought it was implied that if the answer is Charlie, the answer is Charlie and not the object that he's holding. Well, my, my coder didn't see it this way. So that cost me another, I don't know, $800 or something like that to fix that. For So for any character holding an object, he had to go back and fix every single one of those issues. Um, now, that was probably the only time where I was a little miffed at the developer because, again, I, I felt that it was something that should have been implied and understood without having to explicitly say that, no, the answer is the boy or the girl, not the object she she or he is holding. So, um, so yeah, this thing went over budget, but, hey, at least I finished it, right? So I want to talk to you briefly now about the lessons I've learned in creating my own app. One, intellectual property, watch out for it. Don't steal anyone's name. Don't steal anyone's methodology. Be very careful. Be judicious. Get a lawyer if you need to. Um, just watch your back. This is uh, important stuff. And by the way, if at all possible, you're going to need to... Uh, I don't know how it works in the rest of the, the world if you're in the UK, Australia, Ireland... But if you're here in the United States, and probably if you're over there, those places too, you need to form some type of, and again, I'm not a lawyer, I don't play one on TV, you're going to need to form some type of business entity uh, for tax purposes. So you're going to need a tax ID number in order for Apple to want to deal with you as a developer, right? So to be a developer, get that tax ID number so that when it's time for payments, you can have a nice little business account aside from your personal checking account or whatever. Um, that's my very bare bones explanation of that. Uh, talk to your tax professional or legal advisor about those issues. But yes, you need to do that. Um, lesson number two, iTunes test flight. Have you, has anyone heard of test flight out there? So yeah, I'm hearing, I'm seeing some hands. Okay. So test flight. I didn't know about test flight until the very end. My developer throughout the entire process, every time a build was ready, he would give me a Dropbox link. And the Dropbox link would, I would hit, I would click on the link and I would download the current build of the app onto my iPad. Now, the traditional way that most people do this, I didn't find this out until the end, was through something called Test Flight. Test Flight is a way for you to get your app out to a number of users. And you might call this your beta version, right? A beta version of an app. So people can test it out and see what's working, what is not working. Boy, um, I didn't know about this. I was completely in the dark until the very end uh, when we shared it with somebody else uh, as in, in terms of vetting uh, this app. And uh, I wish I'd known about it because here I came to the point where I released an app and I thought to myself, wow, you know what I should have done? I should have given this to like 10 to 20 people and asked them to actually use it with their clients and give me feedback before I actually release the thing because it would have made a better app from the first generation. Now, as a result of not having done that, I released what I still think is a decent app, a very good app, a very usable app. But um, I've already gotten some interesting feedback from users. I've given a number of uh, free copies out to uh, some coworkers and other colleagues and other associates of mine. Uh, so I could have received some feedback that I could have used to make the first version even better. But that being said, that's okay. I'll just take that information and I'll put it into the first update when that time comes. So use iTunes Test Flight. 
give some copies to some colleagues and people who are actually going to use it with real clients, get the feedback, improve your app, get a better product out there the first time. Um, I talked a little bit about communication and why, the importance of wireframing. And lastly, have a marketing plan or plan on not being found in the iTunes store. <laughs> so uh, I think it is my opinion that the App Store has changed drastically since the iPad came out in 2010. And here's how. There are more apps. There are a lot of apps. There are a ton of apps. I think it's harder for a would-be developer to get in the game now than it was three years ago. I think had anyone jumped into the app game in 2010, it's almost like an instant win. I mean, you had to have created a really bad app to not have made any money just because you're first, right? If you made an articulation app, it was novel. It was fresh. People like the iPad. So now we have a lot of choice out there. And if you type in um, autism and just the number of apps that come up these days, oh my, I mean, how people get found these days, uh, it's amazing. And so uh, you, you do need to have a marketing plan for this thing because you need to make your money back. I mean, let's face it, that's my biggest concern right now is, am I going to get enough people interested in this app uh, to want to download it uh, to to make my money back? I hope I hope the answer is yes. I'm pretty optimistic. So let's talk about the giveaway. Here we are at the end of this episode. If you feel that you can benefit from this app, well, not you personally, but your clients, your students, whatever, if you'd like a copy of it, here's what you need to do. You need to email me at jeff at conversationsinspeech.com. It is the end of November. I'm going to wait about two and a half weeks after this episode uploads to pick out names from a virtual hat. I'll email the winners personally with their uh, redemption codes, 10 names. And all I ask in return is that you email me after using it for a period of time. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what I can improve. And please go to the iTunes store and leave an honest review in the app section because that helps get the app found. You have to have people reviewing your app. So please, please, please review the app. For those of you planning on purchasing it, please review the app. <laughs> and for those of you uh, who do purchase it, uh, my thanks in advance. And again, please give me your feedback. I want to make this app as good as I possibly can. Don't forget that you can check it out at thesocialbunch.co. It's not a .com, it's .co. And by the way, I'll just give you a quick little story. I tried getting the domain name for um, thesocialbunch.com, I think it was, and it was taken. So I used uh, GoDaddy to have a service where you can ask them to act as a third party to try and purchase the domain from the current owner. So I did that. And it is possible to find through a search who owns uh, the current domain. And there is a service that'll give you a ballpark valuation of that domain name. And so uh, I looked at this, the valuation, the value of the domain, the socialbunch.com was I think $10. So in the service, the, the cost to have GoDaddy act as a third party, as an agent for you to negotiate a price to purchase a domain 
was something like $70. So I paid the $70. And then what you do is you have a ceiling. Your agent at GoDaddy will, will act as an agent to try and persuade the owner to give you that domain. So I thought, okay, um, I'll pay as much as, I think I said $150 or $200 as my ceiling. In other words, they can't go past $200. So long story short, guy gets back to me a few days later, says, guy won't sell, he wants more money. I said, okay, how much money does he want? $1,000. Well, I was appalled by that figure. I thought, no way. And I basically said, tell him he has 48 hours. I think I gave him 48 hours to accept my proposal, my maximum, which I think, again, was somewhere between 150 and 200 or the, just the deals off, I walk away. Well, guess what? I walked away. <laughs> so... This guy still owns the socialbunch.com. There's no website up there for socialbunch.com. I wish him lots of luck with it. But anyway, you can find my website at socialbunch.co. It is a CEO website. So check it out. Um, yeah, that's about it for today. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's episode. You can always get hold of me at jeff at conversationsinspeech.com. Remember to send any show suggestions my way. I'll see you next time.